So hi everyone and welcome to the NP studio. Uh, today we have with us a very special guest. Um, you know, I've had so many conversations with her at this point. I consider her my mentor, my friend, someone I have always looked up to. And um, I'm really excited for how this conversation is going to take place. Um, so we welcome in the studio Shubhu Amin. And before we get into the conversation, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about um, uh, about Shubhu and, you know, the things she's done. So she's currently um, a voiceover artist living in India. And as she puts it, uh, in another lifetime, she studied engineering and business and was, you know, like has been heavily involved or was heavily involved in the management profession as a management professional uh, in the software manufacturing and ed education industries. Um, now, she discovered a love and aptitude for acting and voiceovers while on a sabbatical in 2019 and made the career transition soon after. Um, Shibu loves all things food and in a free time, you know, you can find her cooking, enjoying time out in the nature or even playing with her dogs. So it's it's so great to have you here, Shibu. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for this. So I think for the, the as the first talking point, um, how did this whole transition took place? You said that in 2019, you, you found out what that inner calling was. What was that journey like for you? Hi, Naman. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's great to be here. Um, and thank you for the lovely intro. So uh, the way it happened in 2019 was, you know, I was very happily working in education, uh, in for, like in education management. But there was something like deep inside of me that was like, I don't know, it was a slight restlessness or it was this very deep inner voice telling me to go somewhere else and do something else for a short while. And um, in a conversation with one of my friends who I consider a mentor, um, she's an artist and an education professional also who lives in Boston. You know, she gave me this idea of why don't you take a short sabbatical? And I'm very blessed. I'm very privileged that, you know, at the age of, I think I was, what, 32, 33 or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, that I was able to take a sabbatical. People my age usually can't take, don't have the luxury of sabbaticals. So right. I took a three-month sabbatical and I decided to go do all the things that have always been on my bucket list. So I started with going to do a 10-day Vipassana camp. Uh, which was amazing. Wow. Vipassana is a meditation technique. And the first time you do it, you have to go for a 10-day uh, camp. And it's a silent vip, uh, meditation retreat where they teach you the technique. And it was absolutely wonderful. You know, I think I was just primed for it and I had a great time. So I started with that. And then um, I just basically went down my bucket list, right? So one thing mm -hmm. that I always wanted to do was a very serious acting class. I had done a bunch of acting for fun in high school uh, and stuff like that. I had done a cappella in college. So this sort of like performance, um, what do you call it? This this attraction to performing was always there. But I had never explored it as a career option. And even the sabbatical, I, during the sabbatical, I took that class not so much with the intention of exploring it as a career option, but just with the intention of doing something I've always wanted to do, you know, like of pursuing a hobby sort of thing. So I went to New York and I did this short, uh, you know, four week, one month long class at the Strasbourg Institute and just absolutely got hooked. Like, <laughs> the, you know, acting and the process of acting, the preparation that goes behind 
uh, a performance, you know, the rehearsals, all of that stuff, the character study, Correct. that stuff like set my soul on fire the way nothing else had. Wow. So I decided to stay on in New York and I kept auditioning and I started landing gigs and I was like, oh my God, you know, this is so cool. But wow. of course, I was in New York on a tourist visa and I couldn't actually work and get paid. I could right. do unpaid work, but then I started getting work that was paid and I couldn't do it because I was on a tourist visa. So I said, well, I guess if I want to do this for real, I'm going to have to go to Bombay. Back to right. my country and back to a city which has, you know, a thriving industry. Right. So that's that's what I did. And I just took that leap. And I'm very grateful that, you know, I had the sort of um, financial cushion and support to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, of course, was an inside job, right? In terms of when you take a leap like this, I think, I don't know about other people, but I struggled a lot with the idea of failure, And I think a lot of us are conditioned to have a certain, how do you put it? It's, it's like not, not a very healthy relationship with failure, right? Mm -hmm. We're conditioned to fear it and we're conditioned to avoid it at all costs. And um, so it took a bit of relearning, unlearning and relearning in my own head uh, to reshape my uh, relationship with failure and to be like, you know what? I give myself the permission to fail. I want to try this new thing in my life. I feel very blessed and privileged that I'm in a position where, you know, I have the luxury to quit my job and go explore this thing and still have a roof over my head and have food on my table and, you know, all that good stuff, all that basic stuff. So um, I gave myself the permission to fail and I decided that, look, it's okay. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to go to Bombay and I'm going to go be an actor And if it doesn't work out, or if I change my mind, you know, I might just change my mind after a point, that's okay. Like, I give myself the permission to fail and fail forward and learn from it and, (laughs) you know, go do the next thing. And so I spent a few months in Bombay, started getting a few parts here and there. And then the pandemic happened. So when Uh the pandemic happened, uh, I was very lucky. I just happened to be uh, at my parents' house in Baroda visiting my family that weekend. Uh, And then I stayed on uh, when the lockdown and everything happened. Mm -hmm. So I was in Baroda for the pandemic. So there went the whole like, oh, I'm moving to Bombay to become an actor situation that just came to a screeching halt. And, uh, you know, I sort of during that time, it was a natural pivot. While I was in New York, I had also done a little bit of, uh, I'd done a few uh, voice acting workshops. Uh-huh. Um, and I discovered that, you know, I do have an aptitude for that also. Like voice acting is a very specific skill set because you mm-hmm. have to emote fully through just the voice. Actors Correct. have their whole body. They have their body language. They have their facial expressions. You know, you have your whole body as yeah. an instrument to convey mm-hmm. what is happening, to convey emotion, to convey meaning, all of that. You know, to basically to tell a story. You have the right. instrument. Your whole body is your instrument, including your voice. Now, for voice actors, you don't have the visual. It's just the voice. Um So I started exploring that. I pivoted from acting. Uh, I shifted my focus from on-camera acting or stage acting to voiceovers and being a voiceover artist or a voice actor. And that journey has been something that took its own sweet time, okay? Because there was a lot of hesitation 
from my end, you know, which sometimes we can call procrastination. A lot of people right. call this procrastination. So I procrastinated for months, for months mm-hmm. to buy like a professional microphone to do my setup, to create voice samples that I can send out to people, you know, right. um, and I let it happen at its own time. But when it did happen, things fell into place. I very serendipitously met uh, through a friend. I met my voice, my voiceover teacher and my voiceover mentor. Her name is Monaz Ranina. She lives in Bombay uh, and she's been a voice actor for over 20 years. She's also a wow. voiceover teacher and trainer. She's an incredible woman. So mm-hmm. I, you know, serendipitously met her um, and got some training. So I had realized in New York that I have the raw materials that are needed to be a voice right. artist. <laughs> but I knew that I need to hone my skills, you know, that I need to do more training, I need to learn a little bit. So Monaz was perfect for that. Uh, she was exactly what I needed. And like, at the end of last year, I recorded my first audiobook, which I'm so excited about. I had a yeah. blast doing it. And through this whole experience, I actually learned that I enjoy voice acting even more than I enjoy on camera acting or acting on stage. (laughs) There is something that there's like a very special kind of sort of like thrill or high that one gets. Um, Uh And see, I discovered this through sheer circumstances, right? If it hadn't been for getting locked down and if it hadn't been for this whole like uh, TV and film industry right. shutting down, theater it industry shutting down. down for so many right. months, I would not, I don't think I would have pursued voice acting with the kind of seriousness and focus that I have been pursuing it with. And right. now I've awesome. realized that, yeah, that I actually like it more. So I'm very grateful to be at the spot I'm at. And, um, and you know, for whoever's listening to this podcast, uh, what voice actors basically do, there's so many industries where that uh, you know that that need voice actors so mm-hmm. one of the obvious one is the advertising industry you know you need voices to uh, do the voiceover for commercials for tv commercials stuff like that then right. of course there's documentaries there is a, a big market is corporate training videos right all mm-hmm. these like online trainings that corporates have their employees do or if they're releasing certain videos informational videos about their products or services they all need a voice actor who's narrating a script. Then another very big market is the animation world and uh, the video game world. There's, of course, audiobooks, uh, e-learning content. Yeah, Yeah, it just goes on and on. And now that I've been in this profession, now I'm properly in it, I am hearing, I like pick up on audio so much more and it like blows my mind how much work there is for voice actors and for voice artists. It's just stuff that one doesn't notice in everyday life. But when you become aware of this, you're like, oh shit, this is, oh my God, sorry if I cursed. No, no, no. (laughs) It's going to be unfiltered here, so we're chilling. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know me and my potty mouth. Yeah. so so now I hear it everywhere, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, I never realized how many applications there are for voice right. actors and so many opportunities. So that's where I'm at right now. And that's how my transition happened. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, no, that was uh, that was great. A lot of stuff to take um, take from that uh, for sure, especially the fact that, you know, uh, voiceover artists or, you know, voice the, the entire industry um, might not still be, you know, that well known, but there's so, so many, 
you know, utilities and like use cases and, and the ways in which it fits in to, to the scheme of things in so many different, you know, fields and industries and, you know, just the, just the whole paraphernalia. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for sharing all those experiences and all those learnings sort of embedded within. Um, it's always fantastic to get such a wholesome idea of, you know, what you've done and also uh, the learnings that you got from there, especially the idea of like failing forward. Uh, some of these things I always remember and even I try to, you know, integrate in my life. Uh, but another thing that you've uh, really nicely done and I have, you know, started following is this page that you've started, you know, called I Remind Myself. And um, before you talk more about that, um, there's one particular one that I really liked and it's just these series of thoughts that you do it as a conscious reminder or constant reminder to yourself and one of those was you said that um, you know I'm going to march to the beat of my own drum uh, which I felt was so contextually relevant especially in these uncertain times uh, if you could tell us more about that and and maybe just that whole part of your personality um, that's that's sort of like another one of your hobbies <laughs> sure so I started this uh, Instagram page last year and it was something that, you know, very similar to how you're doing this podcast for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. This Instagram page is basically for myself, right? And it's to document things that I remind myself of on a daily basis as I, you know, as one goes through this journey of life, many of us are on or, you know, many of us have the intention of um, personal growth and development and becoming more emotionally mature humans and, yeah. uh, you know, of sort of cultivating more self-awareness and things like that. So it's a it's a way to document things that I remind myself of. And um, this one that you're talking about of uh, march to the beat of my own drum. Now, this is a very common phrase that is used, right? In life, mm-hmm. we hear it. Uh, But what I was talking about in the context that I wrote that particular post was that we all have like an internal guidance system within us, whether we are in touch with it or not, right? Some of us might not even be aware of it, uh, but I think it's absolutely awareness that we can cultivate of what is like, what is my core value system? What are my core priorities? Like what is important to me? How do I Mm -hmm. want to live my life? What aspects of life do I want to prioritize and give my, you know, emotional energy, my time energy, my intellectual energy to? So we all have this sort of like core, core self, right? Of what is important to us. But I realized that a lot of the times we get caught up um, with trying to march to the beat of somebody else's drum. It's like as if we are living our lives to the standards or to the priorities or to the value systems of somebody else outside of us. And that can be society at large, that can be our education system, that can be our friends, Mm -hmm. that can be our family, you know, it can be just entities that are outside of us. And there are a lot of times where your value system will match another person's value system. But there are a lot of times where there will also be nuances of things that are important to you and that are unique to you. And if you are in touch with what that, you know, that is the analogy for, you know, the drum beat. Like if you are in touch with what the beat of your own drum is, then you can make decisions and choices in life that are reflect, that are a reflection of that, that straight, that stay true to the beat of your own drum. 
that that Otherwise, sort of align with like what what you innately yeah. and truly want, and rather than your you sort of like viewing yourself through the lens of other uh, stakeholders. Yeah. 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 Um, like even even it could be somebody that you respect. It could be somebody that you look up to. But right. you know they've had their own unique life experience and life context until now that has brought them to where they are, um, oh. and you have had your own different unique life experience and context. I, so if you make decisions or if you make choices in your life based on somebody else's value system, priorities, life experience, it might not be right for you. There are times where it might be right for you. but there might be times yeah. where it might not be right for you so you're always better mm. off getting in tune with yourself to really like sit quietly with yourself cultivate self awareness it's sort of that concept of like meeting yourself a lot of us meet ourselves for the first time when we are adults you know when we yeah. sort of do it consciously of like ek minute let me let me just back this up what do i want right i know what I know what the world wants me to do. I know what my parents want me to do. I know what my education education system wants me to right. do. I know what society wants me to do. But is that in line with what I want to do? Correct. Correct. And you know, I, if it looks if it looks different for you, what you want to do, if that looks different from what others want out of you or what society wants out of you, it's perfectly okay. We don't have to march to the beat of society's drum. Drum, yeah. Like in you in know? the long run, that's that's when we've seen um, sort of like people who have also done wonders um, really march to the beat of their own drum and listen to that inner voice. Now, while as you said, you know, in in an ideal world that would be possible for everyone, but sometimes you know you meet yourself later down the line. You have been conditioned in a certain way. The context is different, and I think another really apt example that I remember once we were talking and you, you mentioned that is that um, it's also sort of imprudent to compare yourself with others or uh, be in this sort of you know constant. Um, Competitive slash jealousy, sort of that spirit or that zone, because it's like like a race, right? I remember that analogy where um, it it would be only fit to compare or sort of like view yourself through the lens of others. Is if in a race you were you started from the same point, right? But we know for a fact that even metaphorically translating that we don't do that because everyone has different experiences, different. access to resources you know different opportunities and just a different life and so uh, i think it's perfect that if you if you find out what to make of it and if you find that in a drum that you want to march to the beat to um i think that's how you can optimize sort of like your own self and also the potential that you have to not only do something in the professional arena but also mentally and physically um just to excel in that field so that's um that's fantastic which also brings me to something else that I am actively trying to sort of you know imbibe in my life at this point is this famous um, you know author that we time and again bring into our conversations um, Eckhart Tolle if I'm pronouncing his mm-hmm. name right and who is yeah, really popular are. yes and and he has written this book uh, which I would highly recommend everyone to read I myself am reading it right now it's called The Power of Now um, and there's a few key thoughts from it one of which I love um, and I think you told me about this Shivdeepdi was uh, that. you know you are not your thoughts and sort of like you, we usually mistake ourselves by associating ourselves with our thoughts but that's not usually the case and maybe what do you think about that whole idea and like like just stuff around it in, in the periphery yeah absolutely i you know to be honest i have listened to a lot of ekhart tolle's uh, 
sort of like audio and video lectures. Um, but I have to be honest, I have not read The Power of Now yet. <laughs> but I'm familiar with his work because I've listened to so many of his lectures. Right. And this this idea, and I know we had spoken about this idea many years ago for the first time, that you are not your thoughts. You are the entity that is observing your thoughts. Um, right. And for so, me, this was a very sort of like transformational idea in how I looked at it because... Mm-hmm it sort of allowed me to step step like step back from myself mm-hmm. and be able to look at myself almost from a third person perspective and then realize that these thoughts and feelings and emotions whatever i'm experiencing that comes and goes those are not me i'm not i am not those thoughts i'm the right. one who's i'm the like the consciousness that is watching those thoughts right and it is up to me like what I do with those thoughts, which mm-hmm. ones I keep, which ones I allow to just pass through me. Thoughts come, thoughts go. So which ones do I want to hold on to? Which ones do I want to give importance to? Which ones do I want to give my attention to? And yeah. which ones do I want to say that, you know, I see you, I see you as a thought who you've come, but yeah. I am not going to give you attention because it's not going to serve me to give you attention. Right. And no. you sort of allow that to pass through you. Um, yeah yeah. so I I love that concept that you know you're not your thoughts you are the person that is watching your thoughts and you're you're listening yeah and this and this comes back I think a lot of this comes back to self-awareness right like this is a really Mm -hmm. good for me this was a very good tool to sort of make self-awareness something tangible because before Mm -hmm. I heard this idea that whole concept of self-awareness was very it was this very uh, up in the super, air, you know? yeah. up in the air, sort of this very like fluffy, like I can't quite grab it concept. And yes. this idea made it tangible. It made it like, okay, here's the action item, you know? Yes, no, that is that is amazing. Especially, I think even for me, like when I first heard it before, like I used to think, oh, you know, it's mystical, it's so philosophical, and it's like, how do you get? get these things quantified because I'm you know I'm an analytical person and so I'm like how do I get that done and so but when I heard it I think that's exactly how I felt like I would I'm a very visual person so the way in which I saw this is like uh, imagine like you know your thoughts are like a river or a stream flowing by now you are just watching it and you could throw pebbles in it or you could take water from it but you are not it it you know you are not it so I think that is uh, that is something that's really interesting and uh, a lot of other sort of takeaways from um, the man that Eckhart Tolle is and not only his books and lectures but also like his his teachings that are popular worldwide and also used not only in like you know individuals uh, who, who sort of carry it out but also in like corporates and other other large entities so uh, mm-hmm. that's another really really interesting point and I feel that if we if we truly internalize that, um, I think we can definitely sort of like realign what we truly want and also link it back to marching to the beat of our own drum. Um, yeah. uh, you know, the power of now and living in the now. Um, another yeah. thing I think we, you um, say that I really love actually is, um, is, is you mentioned this term um, cosmic redirection. And um, if you could tell me what you use and what you use it in place of and then um, how did how did that come about for you? Like, what what's the story behind that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so cosmic redirection. I use that phrase in place of rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar to failure. A lot of uh, people have this 
this not a very positive relationship with the word rejection as well as the feeling of rejection right like mm-hmm. rejection is in common like in life it's seen as a very negative thing right and um i realized at some point that it doesn't have to be this negative thing you know like when we think of rejection why does it have to be this horrible sad thing that you've been rejected and you know that it mm-hmm. comes with the weight of things like oh i'm bad or i'm not deserving or i'm not worthy or you know my value has been diminished or whatever mm-hmm. right i don't think it needs to come with that so i view rejection as a very neutral similar to the relationship i have with the word failure i also have this relationship with the word rejection which gives it a very neutral connotation where you know it, like failure rejection also is just something that's giving me more information it's not good or bad it just is it's just more data right yes. yeah it's just more data that tells me what works what doesn't work uh you know what i need to do differently or what i want to pursue versus what i don't want to pursue things like that now in the con- context of using rejection in a very sort of like classical way i'll give an example from my own life right now i'm in this uh, entertainment industry as an actor and a voice actor a very big part of my life is sending in auditions i'm constantly auditioning for one thing or the other and a lot of those auditions don't work out and you know i think i feel very blessed that i came into this profession in my 30s when i had already right. lived a little bit of a life you know i had experienced all these different things in life where i knew coming in that it when i when i don't get a part it doesn't mean that i am not talented or it doesn't mean that i am bad you know right. sometimes it might sometimes it might mean that you know i didn't do a very good job of the audition right. or you yeah. know but for the most part what it means is that i wasn't right for the part it means that you know they were looking for somebody who looks different or who sounds different or who has a different energy right, right. it has right. nothing to do with my talent it just has to do with whether i was right for the part or not right. and yeah. um so in that in this context when i don't get a part you know someone can view that as oh i got rejected i didn't right. i didn't get cast in this part or i didn't get the opportunity to narrate this audio book or this particular tv com- commercial or whatever and so i've been rejected i don't view it as that one is i have a mindset where you know it wasn't for me and that's where this cosmic di- redirection part comes in right where it's not rejection it's cosmic redirection i don't believe in rejection because when something doesn't work out i know deep inside me that it do- when things don't work out it means that that thing wasn't meant for you that thing yeah. wasn't in your greatest interest it wasn't in your best interest to have that thing or to work on it oh no and when that- you when you don't get something it simply means that that wasn't meant for you and you're making space for something that is meant for you something mm-hmm. that is in your greatest in your best interest mm-hmm. um so yeah these are the two words which i think i have a very different relationship with than most people do failure and rejection failure. these are wow. both words that are very neutral for me they don't carry the negative connotation that we are taught that they carry you know carry yeah, no that's 
and i i feel that if if that could be sort of like truly truly you know taken taken in and and as i said before internalized uh it's a really interesting take and it's it's logical as well which which you know which is why i love it uh that it has like a direct use case and it works um you know perfectly and especially the fact that uh even you know when we talk about these like really i mean could be philosophical right now but like there's the studies as well right like of of this and that thing of like affirmations and you know cosmic vibrations and you know when you say something transforms into energy and then it somehow comes back to you in fact um, i was while you know while you were saying this i was looking into you know the one experiment that we were talking about a long time ago which is um, so there's this famous um, um sort of like japanese businessman his name is uh, masaru emoto who uh did this kind of experiment because you know what we were talking about before here was this entire play on words and how sometimes when society tells us something and actively we tell ourselves that hey this didn't work out for you or like you're bad or you know you're not worthy uh what that does and so i just wanted to briefly you know take an aside and talk about that and that um so he has a book uh, which he released in 2004 it's called the hidden messages in water and this is um, not that known and till date when i share this with some of my friends they laugh at me but this is true so what he did was he essentially conducted this this sort of like pseudo experiment with water and um, the way we do it with humans he did the same thing with water where he had like a proper science experiment arranged um and let's say in one room i don't know the exact specifics but let's say i think in one room there was a glass of water or a beaker um and and two identical ones one was in room a and the other one was let's say in room and then for the first one um he would sort of like fill it with with muddy water or something at the start and then he would just like say nice things to him uh, or or to the to the beaker of water and like really positive things like oh you know i love you and thank you so much for being so you know um for quenching my thirst and all of those things and um the exact opposite would be said to the other sort of like beaker of water and treating it as if it was literally a living entity and it turns out surprisingly which even he didn't expect after a certain time period he saw that the molecular structure of both those glasses of water or the water inside had radically changed and as you would expect the one that received positive affirmations and like you know all these just positive thoughts and feelings and words um like just crystallized into a very uh, very interesting shape which was nice and which was clean and pure and the exact opposite could be said for the other one so he said that if if water functions in this way which is not even a living entity think how much difference we can create uh when the same concept or application is applied to humans um so yeah that was that was just a little bit and I'm, i you should really you know check that out and i think you should with you only self introduce this concept to me so um thank you so much for that and um i think another thing that i wanted to move on at this point is um is is something that you've been talking about um now this is in terms of um you know recent experiences and obviously what um everyone is going through at this point but um you said something uh, to me in the past about the importance of feeling versus just thinking and how sometimes we actively think but we don't feel and how we need to feel and i just wanted to know what what your thoughts were on that maybe for the people yeah so quick quick note on that water experiment mm-hmm. the thing that the guy said is that if speaking kind words to water 
versus unkind words to water can have such a huge impact on its molecular structure where the kind words water you know was this in this very beautiful crystal right. snowflake kind of pattern very aesthetic very pleasing to the eye and the water beakers that he spoke unkind words to were this sort of like not aesthetic at all sort of like not very nice to look at uh, structures um sort of this dissonant water structure almost now human the human body is made up of what is it's something between 60 and 70% water right somewhere between mm-hmm. that range so he said that we are also made up of 60 to 70% water so imagine oh, right. what kind <laughs> words right so imagine what kind words versus unkind words can do to us yeah. um and yeah i'm a big believer that you know language is very powerful and the you know positive affirmations while you know they have their place and context and everything just speaking kindly to oneself and to each other um is is very powerful wow. so yeah. okay okay repeat repeat your last question to me what yeah. was it no 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 sure so i think um what you you know what you told me recently in another conversation where ha ah, feeling correct correct feeling, feeling. yes right. yes yeah so that is something as we talked about last week you know it's something that i have really um uh, become more aware of and conscious of in this last year where i don't know about others i know you are very similar in this way so you did resonate a lot with this concept i don't know about other people um but many of us are very much stuck in our heads we are very much stuck in the space of intellectualization in in the space of rationalizing things using our thoughts to you know to just make like constantly try and like think through something versus feel through something right and of course thinking is very important <laughs> and thinking <laughs> needs to be done yeah but right. along with that there are many times where it is also very important to feel through something to sort mm-hmm. of drop into our bodies to um and you know drop into our bodies physically as well as metaphorically right like physical physical sensations that we are feeling in different parts of our body right. as well as sort of uh, the more intangible aspect of like dropping into our intuition space or what is called your gut you know gut feelings and things like that right. um it's very important to do that and i like our sort of societal system even our education system it doesn't give us the tools on how to do it i think this is such an important life skill that yeah. humans are never formally taught uh, yeah. and some of us figure it out at some point through experiences or through certain uh, you know teachings or philosophies that we that we might find and i i must i think there are a lot of people who go through their whole lives without ever sort of figuring it out you know just right. constantly just living in their mind in this thinking 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 space mm-hmm. but the thing with emotions is that when they are not felt when they are suppressed um they're not going anywhere they're going to be suppressed in the body and if they're right. not processed and dealt with they are going to manifest in some way or the other right for some people it manifests as physical illness for some people it manifests as chronic pain you know that they have no idea why it's happening um you know it manifests differently for different people for some people it might just manifest as like not being able to work at your highest potential right you're just sort of like in this like numb phase yeah. um where you are not tapping into your full potential correct um so and and there's a lot of tools that one can use 
you know, to sort of drop into this space. The most common one is meditation. But I know that meditation is very hard for a lot of people because it's this, first of all, it has this huge like fog around it of like, okay, what exactly do you do? And when I sit, I'm not able to sit. And, you know, there's all this restlessness, which is natural in the beginning. Uh But there are other than meditation, there's a lot of other somatic tools that you can use. One is just simply, if you simply quietly without your phone, Go take a walk in nature and just become very, very aware. You forget taking a walk in nature. Let's say you're sitting in a room. You don't have the luxury to even step out. Let's say right. you're sitting in your apartment. Just become very, very aware of all your five uh, senses. Even if, you know, this yeah. is a good technique to use to just start feeling right. things versus only thinking through things, right? We're becoming aware with all your sensory awareness. So all your five senses, your sight. So if you're sitting in a room, you start noticing what are the different colors you're seeing in the room? What are the objects you're seeing in the room? Then you yeah. become aware and you list them out sort of in your own head, right? Oh, I'm seeing my pink couch. I'm seeing this like green colored wall. or I'm seeing the TV right. or, you know, things like that. Then you list out the things you can hear. Can you hear the fan uh, spinning? Can you hear the AC, uh, you know, the AC sound coming? Can you hear traffic in the distance, a horn beeping or traffic going? Can you hear birds chirping outside? Things like that. Then you go to uh, things you can uh, taste. Oh, no, things you can smell. What are the things you Mm -hmm. can smell? And, you know, when we become aware of things... We will, we will figure out that, yeah, actually I'm sitting in a room, it's a neutral smell, Correct. but we'll be able to pinpoint, okay, I'm smelling something. You know, it could be the smell of the fabric or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you think about things you can taste. Even when there's nothing in our mouth, like our tongue, will, it, it, it is a sensory organ. So you sort of become aware of that. And then, of course, there's every, what you can touch, Right with your fingers, can you? Right. What does your skin feel like? What are the clothes you're wearing? What is that texture? You know, if you're sitting on a chair or on a couch or something, or on the floor, what is the texture of that? What is the texture of the wall? Things like that. Right. So this sort of forces you to get out of that headspace and drop into I your know. bodily sensory awareness. Um, and I think that's a really powerful thing. And a more like, let's say, a more tangible. Not tangible, what's the word? A more relatable example, right, is let's say you are going through some grief, right? So last year, I lost two of my dogs. And for my family, like our dogs are a part of our family, you know. So so losing them was, was very painful. And, you know, there was a lot of grief and mm-hmm. sadness involved. Um, and at the same time, there was also some gratitude and relief involved because one of them, he wasn't well at all and he was suffering. And, you know, now that after he passed away, you know, at least he's not suffering anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So it's all these mixed emotions that one feels when you deal with grief. I think grief is is one of the most complex and difficult emotions that a lot of people struggle with because, again, we're never taught on on how to process it, on how to feel it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, one of the things like whether you lose, you know, a family member or a friend or whoever, right? For me to think about it it was was what I naturally gravitated to, right? I'm thinking about how, yeah, I'm very sad and it sucks what has happened and this is so painful and, you know, you have this confusion and, you know, why did he have to suffer like this and why didn't this treatment work and, 
you know, now, you know, now my, my, you know, my family member, my dog is whoever else is gone. So you can be in your headspace thinking about it. But for me, what really helped me process the grief was to actually feel it. Correct. What does grief feel like? Right? Like, what does it feel like in my body? Where can I feel it? Is it a knot in my stomach? Is it like a compression in my chest? You know, is it is it just right. a feeling of numbness in my palms? What is it? Right? And this is the more sort of like physical aspect of it. And then there's the non-physical yeah. aspect of it, right? Where you're just, you're hurt. You're in pain. There's just this deep sadness so that you feel inside and- you. There's sometimes it can be, you know, it can be a sadness, it can be like a hopelessness, it can be a confusion, you know, all of these things. And I think it's so important to feel um, emotions that come through us because as counterintuitive as it is, emotions, when we feel them, when we acknowledge them, when we make space for them, no matter how uncomfortable or painful as they are, it is only when we feel them that they can... move through us because if we don't feel them right if we don't feel them if we sort of just like avoid them or avoid feeling them or you know you distract yourself all the time you're distracting yourself because you don't want to feel certain things they're going to stay stuck Mm -hmm. in you and they will persist they will persist and they will get louder and louder and louder until you do pay attention and a lot of the times the way they get louder and louder and louder is by giving you physical Mm -hmm. ailments You know, and I know this from my own experience that when you have emotions that you have not processed and dealt with, when you have trauma of whatever kind, you know, different people have different kinds of traumas from sometimes it can be from years ago, you know, sometimes it can be recent, whatever. When that stuff is not processed and dealt with, it persists and it comes out a lot of the times as physical ailments. And then we go to a doctor who gives us medicines. Now here our body is trying to give us a signal that something is not right. You need to deal with something. We have not listened to it. So now it's screaming at us by making us physically sick. And instead of actually going deep within and seeing, okay, what is it that my body is trying to communicate with me? We are so disconnected from ourselves and you know, of course, there are a lot of times where you need to, you always need to go to a doctor and you need to get medication for things and you need to get treatment for things. But in parallel to that, you also need to take care of your emotional health and sort of go deep within yourself and explore. Like you owe it to yourself to investigate and explore of like what is happening under all these layers. And and also, I think the fact that um, like, like it's really true that... Um, a lot of the times we say, right, and then we're, oh, I'm really sad, or you know, I'm I'm in a lot of pain, or or I'm really happy, or you know, it's 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 it goes both ways. But yeah. we we don't. What you say makes a lot of sense. Like the the operative word is feel. Like truly, actually, physically feel, and even yeah. not physically, but like like see how that functions. And and maybe yeah. you you know your muscles also have a memory. Like that's maybe how you could also get out of it like sometimes when you want to make a switch from okay I've been sad a long time I want to be happy like you know what it feels like right so maybe there's some sort of hidden channel of communication that even you could have and you could say that okay hey you know I usually feel like there's a weight of my chest like literally and so that's how that's that's going to be my goal like that's what I want to do physically like however and I think that's that's really interesting to think about and also like Absolutely. you know 
um but no that's 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 fantastic see muscles your muscles every cell in your body has memory and yeah. there's a really there's a lovely book uh, that's been written on this topic which i haven't read yet but it's on my list of books to read it's called the body keeps score wow the body yeah i forget score. the name of the author but the book is called the body keeps score and like your body remembers things you know um yeah. whether you consciously remember them or not your body does keep that score and 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 of course this goes into the realm of uh, you know uh, sort of very a very trauma informed approach to life and a trauma impro- uh, trauma informed approach to uh, living and lifestyle and healing uh, which needs you know a lot of people need a professional to work with for this sort of thing it helps always um mm-hmm. but i think it's 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 very powerful and it's very helpful yeah no truly and uh, i think if if we sort of as an even as an exercise do that at the onset because so many people go through life without even realizing that you know the whole thinking versus feeling um dichotomy that there exists um like we can stop things early on and we can also enhance them early on if we yeah. if we want to like we have the power to do that that's yeah. that's i no, don't know if it's I don't know if it's so much a dichotomy because I think thinking and feeling are both important. Um, they go hand in you know, hand. it's yeah, it's not one yeah. or the other. You know, you need the thing yeah. is you need to be doing both. Whereas right. most people are only doing the thinking doing part. One, yeah, right. yeah. I think right. both both have to happen. Happen, yeah. No, true that. Um, no, that's great. And I think um, this conversation has been one of sort of the most intellectually stimulating ones for me. So that's. uh thank you so much this always happens you know <laughs> so uh, i'm um, glad that this time you know people will also get to hear this um but i think yeah. we uh we part um, from this conversation the the last thing that i had in mind is the the one thing that you always say that you know you have you know the power of your mind and you know we've we've quoted other authors like this louise hay and this this you know neuroscientist and doctors there's uh, like like I think you mentioned Joe Dispenza that at this one point of time and all of them how yeah, they talk I don't how... yeah I don't know enough about Joe Dispenza's work uh, right. but I have read Bruce Lipton's work and okay. he is an incredible uh, uh he's a cell biologist uh right. and he's done a lot of research uh sort of like neuroscience and body like cellular level research um right. and I would recommend both his books uh one is called the honeymoon effect which is absolutely brilliant i don't know if you've read this book yet i know i've uh, mentioned it to you before uh-huh. but i think that the honeymoon effect should be like mandatory reading list. for all uh-huh. humans for all humans uh-huh. it's just such a great book you know wow. um and another one is called biology of belief um which ties back into something that we spoke about earlier in this conversation where we said you know words are powerful and the thoughts we think and like the beliefs that we have about ourselves or whatever it is that we're engaged in that belief is very powerful it has a very very powerful placebo effect and it sort of becomes very real wow and and how so, it manifests yeah mm-hmm. so biology of belief and uh, the honeymoon effect by Bruce Lipton both brilliant books wow and, and and no i think um that's great i think that that's sort of a really nice way to even leave it um for people to take on from like you know uh, because these two books like the names also so interesting the biology of belief and the honeymoon effect is that um and they they i'm sure have like really tangible like applications through just like 
something as simple as our belief system and our thoughts um and then yeah. how they sort of like interplay to to create this whole thing uh, but no it was no but this is uh, great thanks so much for for doing this and it was an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, you're know. most welcome thank you so much for uh, having me and thank you for this very engaging and stimulating conversation i always appreciate it <laughs> thank you uh, and you guys stay tuned uh, for the next episode of the np studio